Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After an explosive fire claims the lives of 27 people at a Bucharest nightclub, Collective, officials reassure the public that the surviving victims will receive care and facilities that are better than in Germany. Weeks later, a rising casualty count leads intrepid reporters at the Sports Gazette to investigate. Just as the crucial tips expose Hexi Pharma, a local firm's culpability, the firm's owner dies in under mysterious circumstances and the health minister quietly resigns amid an uproar. And this is only the first chapter of this ever-twisting expose called Collective. And we are joined today by the director of this wonderful film collective, and that would be Alexander Nanau. Alexander, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, This is an extremely powerful film. I'm going to ask you how you got involved in this, how you decided you wanted to move forward with the documentary. But I also understand that you were living in Bucharest. You're a a Romanian native born, right? Romanian native born? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm Romanian born. I moved to Germany when I was 10 because uh, uh, my mother is part of the German minority that have lived in Romania since a thousand years, almost. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, we moved to Germany and I moved back uh, when I was 30 something. Okay. And you were living in Bucharest at the time that this happened. Is that right? Right. What kind of an impact did it have in terms of at the time of the event? What, what sort of impact did it have on the country? The, the collective club fire was really a national tragedy because it was a very popular club and many people used to go there. There were many concerts. So um, the scale of it and the fact that so many people were trapped inside because the club had no fire exits was a shock for the whole country because basically people didn't realize. But what they realized is that corruption was one of the main reasons something like that could happen because the fire department and the authorities, local authorities, authorized the club to function, although it had no fire exits. And demonstrations around the country erupted after the fire. Mostly a young generation took the streets, uh, claiming from the political class to step back because they were known as being highly corrupt. The whole political class in Romania, basically. So it sounds a little bit like what you're saying that in addition to the just the sheer tragedy of what happened at the at collective there is also a sort of a sense among the young and probably many many others in the country that corruption was the disease and that club uh, club collective was the symptom would that be a fair way to put it yeah there would be a fair way to put it uh, and it was just a spark let's say of corruption with the club that then, as you can see in the film, led to the even more inhumane corruption that is in the Romanian healthcare system. Yeah, there's a some footage of the of the club of of the band that was playing the night of this tragedy, and there's something foreboding even in the lyrics of the song that they're that this band is singing. And then we see the beginning of the fire. Which just uh, as just from a cinematic point of view, putting aside just the humanity of what we we're witnessing the, but it it puts us 
in, in the immediacy of this tragedy. And it really kind of focuses your attention in terms of the context for, for this, for the film. And I thought that was just, uh, I mean, on one, on one level, it's horrifying to, to watch, but on another level, it really brings you right into the middle of the story. Tell me how you got involved in making a documentary about this. What was the first steps that you took in order to, to make this happen? I was interested in understanding what was happening in this young democracy when, you know, so many young people took the streets because I understood that there's a turning point happening. It, it felt like a turning point where the need for change was so big in, in a, a, a new generation uh, that I wanted to understand how the young democracy will develop now and how the relationship between those in power and the citizens uh, will evolve and will, you know, will show in a way the society as it comes into being. But then what overlapped was basically the manipulation and the lies of the authorities and of the health authorities that they can handle the, the health crisis that followed because there were 180 burn victims that had to be treated and they lied that they can take care of them that Romania has a health system as good as the German health system and they prohibited these kids basically to be flown out to other countries that had burn units where they could be treated and that in a way when when investigative journalists uh, like Catalin Tolontan which were the first ones to start investigating these lies and the manipulation about this health crisis. Uh, when that started, I understood that it might be the most accurate way of trying to see what's going on in, in, this, in the society through the eyes of investigative journalists that investigate the power. Yeah, and there's something inherently corrupt and arrogant about the, that phrase that was used, healthcare as good as you would get in Germany. So there's something almost Orwellian about the way you would describe your own healthcare system. It, it's there's you're, it feels like you're disguised. You're trying to hide the the obvious in some way. And this level of corruption it isn't just about the care. By the way, there's a ho there's a hospital in Bucharest that was built to specialize in burn victims. Is that right? Help us uh, through that part of the story. Bucharest has its own facility for this kind of an emergency, right? Uh, uh, yeah, there was one, but it, it, it had improper improper uh, conditions. It was just, it was called a burn hospital, but as you can see in the film, the maggots are filled in that hospital. There is that, that uh, part of the film where we actually see just how awful it is. And this is where I want to, talk a little bit about, you mentioned Catalin Tolitan, who is the uh, investigative reporter, as well as his colleagues, who really start to dive into this, this uh, issue and how important it is for a functioning press in any country to be able to look into this. And certainly this is, film is a homage to great reporting and people who are dogged about chasing down a story. You seem to be there for these really important points in the telling of this story, these press conferences that you're at, the behind the scenes that we are with the reporters looking into this. Had, did you know uh, Catalin from before? How did you get to know him in this? No, not at all. So when we, when our own development team, uh, you know, we're our own 
development slash investigative team <clears throat> with which we try to find characters that I could follow because I do observational uh, films, cinema direct, and uh, I, I need always to find, in a way, characters that, that I can follow and through whose eyes I can see uh, the story. Uh, and when Tolontan with his team, with Mirella also, and there's one started to investigate that, we thought, oh, they might be the right people to follow. But, you know, they were known as these dodgy journalists in, in Romania. They were known of uh, being, you know, not really open because they had to protect their work. But nevertheless, we contacted them and uh, first they denied, said they said that their newsroom has to stay protected. And they can't imagine somebody following their work with a camera. But I think they understood that also our team did a great work up to there. We had our own sources in the health system. And he understood that how serious we are taking it. it. It also helped that I was known in the country as a filmmaker. And he called me back one day and said, like, listen, actually, we are onto something. We don't know if it's, you know, if we are on the right track or not. But we could try to, you know, you could try to film some of our work. They never imagined that I would stay for a year because, you know, I said, like, we want to film a bit. So I think they imagined it will take several days at max. Uh, but then we ended up spending months with them following their investigations. It is remarkable. And again, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you know this better than anyone and that your instincts have to be sharp. And, or, yeah. and you had, you, I'm sure you had some sense that in addition to telling the story of the fire at Collective, you were you might be onto something more than that. As tragic and, and as important as that story was, did you have a sense that you were maybe onto a more sort of systemic level of corruption or? Uh, not in the beginning. So, I mean, the way that the, the, the universality, let's say that the story took on, I, I didn't sense it in the beginning as such. I was actually more worried that it will be a local story, but I was focusing on the fact that I got really interested in how journalism functions. So as a filmmaker, I, I, I had this idea like, okay, I really want to understand what a journalist does once he gets an information from a whistleblower. How does he verify it? How does he take on the responsibility to publish it? And basically it, we started small, let's say, even as a, you know, I was not aware of, the, what will come. And then the fact that all these revelations and vortical corruption and access to a government came, that just came in a way organically while we were uh, filming. So it was a story, it became a story that live was writing. And in parallel, we should not forget we filmed it during 2016. So in a way, we were filming this story about populist politicians uh, that are corrupt, that are imposters, that hijacked in a way a power and, and uh, really use it against citizens. And at the same time, we started to see in the news like Brexit happening, all these countries being taken over by populist uh, politicians. And we started to understand, wait a minute, what we're filming here is really resembling what the world is just transforming into. Was there a moment was there a press conference? Was it when you gained access to the, the incoming minister of 
of health. Was was there a moment or a couple of instances where you thought you thought to yourself, this truly is going to turn into something that is much more as you just described it? Uh, no, with the minister, it was just the fact that we heard the rumor that this very young guy that is not linked to any politics, that is actually a patient activist, uh, was interviewed for the job. And it was clear that it was, you know, an appointment made in order to absorb, let's say, the fury of the people against this ministry. I don't think that anybody from the system thought that appointing uh, Vlad Voiculescu uh, would uh, cause any problems for them. Uh, but for us, it was a chance to try to get inside the ministry. I thought, like, if he's young, he, he has no obligations towards any, uh, any party or any politicians. So maybe there's a chance to, to, to try and get access to the ministry. And I met him, and uh, it, he was indeed this very young, very open, uh, with a very open mind, saying that transparency is one of his team and his main goals because there's no reason in this world that um, the Ministry of Health should have secrets uh, towards its citizens, because it's dealing with their health, and they should know and have all the right to know why and what decisions are taken inside. First of all, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Alexander Nanow. He is the director of this amazing documentary film called Collective. There's so much in this story that I fear in our conversation, we're just going to scratch the surface, which is good. I want people to be intrigued to to uh, to be able to really understand what happened here. Vlad Voigalescu was an, a remarkable person for you to be talking to. And the fact that he was so open, the fact that we're sitting in on these meetings, these strategy meetings, very frank discussions about what's going on. And also, in addition to the sort of internal discussions he was having with his team, it's a clear window into the world that you're describing, this sort of window into a world of vast corruption, of state-sponsored corruption in, in, in so many different ways, and how brave he was and how he seemed seemingly fearless he was about addressing these things in very unimaginably frank conversations with the press. I, in, from, from a perspective, an American perspective, I'm saying this, he was a remarkable person. And uh, I, tell us a little bit, he was an investment banker, I, I believe, before he came into this position? Into yeah, this not position. an investment banker. He was working in a bank, for sure, okay. you know, dealing with, with uh, uh, clients that were investing, I guess. So he was not an investment banker as such, so he was just having clients okay. in a bank in Vienna. But the fact that he could be so open, again, only somebody outside, that is from outside the political system can tell the truth uh, in a way. And that's what we see more and more in the world, you know, like everything is now wrapped up in, a, in diplomatic speech in a way. Uh, and he was the first one in Romania, you know, a normal person. And that's also so important for the film and for the, you know, for the, let's say, for the storytelling part, because he is a character we can identify with because he's normal like all of us, you know. And, and you can ask yourself the question while seeing the film, how would I act if somebody would just appoint me from one day to the other into a, a authoritarian position, you know, in the, the position of power, in a, into a position where I can really take decisions? Uh, because I think that's a very important thought for us now to, to think about what it means to take on the responsibility of uh, 
of an institution yeah. because we're criticizing them. We, we know they're doing so much wrong. We see how different politicians are dis dismantling institutions by appointing people that are incompetent and that for loyal to them. Uh, and it just gives us the chance to take a deep dive and, and think about what it means to lead a, a, an institution and what the responsibilities are that come with that. And an opportunity to see someone who takes it seriously and is dedicated to the public good, to the public health of the of his country. So there is the you see someone who can act differently than what we often see here now in the United States and around the world. You mentioned these other kind of authoritarian populists who have taken over many of the most important countries in the world. And this is an opportunity to understand the consequences of that. In, in your film, we see that. I'm gonna ask you a two-part question. One is, is the film or is the is the work of the Ministry of Health, what is the impact it's having on Romania? Has it had a lasting impact? Have, has this film been screened in Romania? Oh yeah, sure. We had the two weeks window in cinemas before they had to close down because of the pandemic. And we, we had, you know, 25,000 admissions, which is huge for Romania, a country where people don't go to cinema to see documentaries. And there are not a lot of cinema rooms in the country. And it had an impact because people, one of the most interesting things were that even journalists seeing the film said, oh, I really forgot what happened during that year. You know, because so many things happen now in our lives and in our societies and the flux of information is so so high that we tend to forget and that was one of the things that people were reminded what changed back then and what made everybody change uh, and the society has such changed in, since then in, in Romania there's a real wind of change let's say of, of the will of change but here I must mention that this need for change only happened on the part of the society you know, we cannot see one single um, uh, hint that the political class wants to change. They are still hiding the hospital infections. The same people that managed then the healthcare crisis and light are, are in power and are responsible for the pandemic now when we have the, one of the highest death rates of COVID. Uh, the hospitals are in a horrible state, uh, but the civil society, for example, organized and they just finished building a, a big hospital just with private money that we all donated. And even the band Metallica donated uh, a quarter million euro to that hospital. The, politician, the politicians keep stealing the money out of the hospitals and are not building anything new. Oh, my God. Well, one last question before we leave. Um, and that is, this was had to have been a very difficult shoot for a lot of reasons, but not the least of which is the victims of the collective fire, their families, the impact it's had on them. But just to kind of walk through that hall of horrors in that hospital where those people were dying unnecessarily, tragically, tell me what kind of a impact this has had on you as a, as a, as a citizen or as some, a Romanian or as, as a filmmaker, as a, as a human being, what kind of a impact it's had? I don't know. Um, I can tell you what impact it has on me when I when I realize the capability of people to be inhumane towards other people. I mean, because we all knew corruption exists, but not at that extent that 
you know, you, that there can be a healthcare system in which hundreds of people know that disinfectants are diluted for over 10 years and they participate in the business with it. Uh, knowing that diluted disinfectants lead to lethal bacteria in hospitals that will kill people. And the impact it had on me is that I understand more and more that there can be no tolerance with people that do something like that uh, or uh, towards corruption, because it's co corruption is not only about stealing money, as you can see it very clearly now in your own country. A corrupted government uh, leads to a lot of bad people. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for this amazing documentary film collective and uh, for your work uh, as well as for your continuing work in the world of cinema and documentary filmmaking. Thank you, Alexander Nanow. Thank you, Mike, for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.